Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Cranocast. Uh, today we decided we'd keep very similar with the theme that we used last week in regards to storytelling. And the um, the main reason for this is actually we have a fantastic short term placement here with Erin, who you'll hear in a moment in the in the podcast. Um, we just wanted to celebrate the fact that she was finishing with us and uh, wanted to let her put a bit of her culture into um, the podcast itself. Enjoy. So we're sat here with Erin and Graham. Um, Graham is our resident storyteller here at the Cranock Centre. And Erin is a short-term placement. Erin, explain, explain what you do at the Cranock and why you're here. So I am working at the Cranog for eight weeks on a, um, an internship dealing with e- inclusivity, equality, and diversity in Scottish heritage. And I am incorporating my culture from my indigenous background from Canada and connecting it with the Iron Age here in Scotland. Awesome stuff. Um, so we decided that this week what we would do is we carry on the tradition with what we did last episode with the storytelling so what i've asked erin to do is to tell one of her well one of her stories i think better if erin explains that and then and then graham is going to follow up with one of his stories so i will, I will leave it with you erin if you just want to explain okay. you know what you're doing and why you're doing it so today i'm going to share the creation myth or legend from the haudenosaunee people which are my people that are from around the Great Lakes in Canada and the US. And it's basically the legend of how North America was created on a turtle's back. Long, long ago, the earth was deep beneath the water. There was a great darkness because no sun or moon or stars shone. The only creatures living in this dark world were water animals, such as the beaver, muskrat, duck, and loon. Far above the water-covered earth was the land of the happy spirits, where the great spirit dwelled. In the center of this upper realm was a, great, was a giant apple tree with roots that sank deep into the ground. One day, the great spirit pulled the tree up from its roots, creating a pit in the ground. The great spirit called to his daughter, who lived in the upper world. He commanded her to look into the pit. The woman did as as she was told and peered through the hole. In the distance, she saw the lower world covered by water and clouds. The great spirit spoke to his daughter, telling her to go into the world of darkness. He then tenderly picked her up and dropped her into the hole. The woman, who could be called Sky Woman, by those watching her fall, began to slowly float downward. As Sky Woman continued her descent, the water animals looked up. <clears throat> Far above them, they saw a great light that was Sky Woman. The animals were initially afraid because of the light emanating from her. In their fear, they dove be- deep beneath the water. The animals eventually conquered their fear and came back to the surface. Now they were concerned about the woman and what would happen to her when she reached the water. The beaver told the others 
that they must find a dry place for her to rest upon. The beaver plunged deep beneath the water in search of earth. He was unsuccessful. After a time, his dead body surfaced to the top of the water. The loon was the next creature to try to find some earth. He too was unsuccessful. Many others tried, but each animal failed. At last, the muskrat said he would try. When his body floated to the top, his little claws were clenched tight. The others opened his claws and found a little bit of earth. The water animal summoned a great turtle and patted the earth upon its back. At once the turtle grew and grew, as did the amount of earth. This earth became North America, a great island. During all this time, Sky Woman continued her gentle fall. The leader of the swans grew concerned as Sky Woman's approach grew imminent. He gathered a flock of swans that flew upward and allowed Sky Woman to rest upon their back. With great care, they placed her upon the newly formed earth. <clears throat> Soon after her arrival, Sky Woman gave birth to twins. The firstborn became known as the Good Spirit. The other twin caused his mother so much pain that she died during his birth. He was to be known as the Evil Spirit. The Good Spirit took his mother's head and hung it in the sky, and it became the sun. The Good Spirit also fashioned the stars and moons from her body. He buried the remaining parts of Sky Woman under the earth. Thus, living things may always find nourishment from the soil, for it springs from Mother Earth. While the Good Spirit provided light, the Evil Spirit created the darkness. The Good Spirit created many things, but each time his brother would attempt to undo his good work. The Spirit made the tall and beautiful trees, including the pines and hemlock. The evil spirit, to be contrary, stunted some trees or put gnarls or, and knots in their trunks. Other trees he covered in thorns or poisoned their fruit. The good spirit made bear and deer. The evil spirit made poisonous animals, such as lizards and serpents, to destroy the animals created by his brother. And the good spirit made springs and streams of crystal or pure crystal water the evil spirit poisoned some and placed snakes in the other. The good spirit made beautiful rivers. The evil spirit pushed rocks and dirt into the rivers, creating swift and dangerous currents. Everything the good spirit made, his wicked brother attempted to destroy. After the good spirit completed the earth, he created man out of red clay. Placing the man upon the earth, the good spirit instructed the man about how he should live. The evil spirit made a monkey from sea foam. Upon completing his work, the good spirit bestowed a protecting spirit upon all of his creations. This done, he called his brother and told him he must cease making trouble. The evil spirit emphatically refused. The good spirit became enraged at his brother's wickedness. He challenged his evil twin to combat. The winner would become the ruler of the world. For their weapons, they used the thorns of the giant apple tree. The battle raged for many days. The good spirit triumphed, overcoming his evil brother. The good spirit took his place as ruler of the earth and banished his brother to a dark cave under the ground. In this cave, the evil spirit was to remain. 
The evil spirit, however, was, has wicked servants who do his bidding and roam upon the earth. The wicked spirits are able to take any form and cause men to do evil things. This is the reason that everyone has both a good heart and a bad heart. Regardless of how good a man is, he still possesses some evil. The reverse is also true. For however evil a man may be, he still has some good qualities. No man is perfect. The good spirit continues to create and protect mankind. It is the good spirit who controls the spirits of good men upon their death. His wicked brother takes possession of the souls of those who are evil like him. And so it remains. Lovely. Lovely story. Very nice story. Yeah. Um, quick question out of mm -hmm. ignorance. What's a muskrat? <laughs> a muskrat is a muskrat. like a type of rodent. Okay. Is it big? Is it small? Yeah, about like three or four rats oh, in right. size. So it's quite a big rat. Yeah. Oh, I'll I'm only asking because I'm, I'm interested to know as to why the muskrat is the one that finds the earth. Because they can hold their breath longer than a lot of other animals, so they can dive deeper than like beavers or something like that. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. 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 Every day is a school day, isn't it? Brilliant. That's a beautiful story, actually. And I yeah. think I'd like, to, I'd like you to print that off for me so for that sure. I can uh, use it. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of the kind of... Oh, what's the word? Like This would have been told in a few different ways because like in indigenous cultures, everything was passed down orally. So another community or another person would have shared it differently. So this yeah. is just one person's yeah. take on the story, but, but yeah. But you, you find that because in my, when I've, in, I've done lots of research on traditional stories in Scotland and you get the same story, mm -hmm. but one area will say, oh, that's our story. Another area will say, that's our story. And yeah. it's the same story. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way it's, it's, uh, yeah. So traditional is traditional. Yeah. It's, it's and that, that's what you'll find with this creation myth. So it started with the Haudenosaunee people, which is made up of the Oneida, Onondaga, and Mohawk um, people. But it got spread across Canada. So there's different um, nations and different people that will have some version of it. Yeah. But these are the people that it originated with. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it has spread quite far. And it will be, it will completely have come from the oral tradition. I mean, this, exactly. was, this, was, this was something that was never written down. This is just something that was passed on from generation to generation. And probably yeah. passed from area to area. And people, and that's yeah. when people would think, well, okay, I'm going to put my spin on it, if you like. Yeah, yeah. as people would travel to go and visit other communities, they would sit down around the fire to share and break bread with each other yeah. and they would bring parts of their community yeah. to yeah. them so that's where this would have been that, shared that's exactly how i believe i i believe that's how any traditional story came and mm -hmm. I, I would like to think that every traditional tale that you ever tell started around a fire somewhere yeah and yeah. i think that that's really important because it's it's it, it just gives you a sense of where it came from. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been like the exact same here in the Iron Age as, here as, in Scotland. Yeah, as we do as yeah. uh, in Scotland, because this 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 is it's interesting. So 
I'm going to I was going to tell one story but having heard that I'm actually going to tell another one because I think it's I think it's that's that's the way of it. I, one of the things, and I don't know if, I, if I'm going to talk about it anyway, but we've been working with a lot of people um, who are refugees uh, and who have come from different, different parts of Africa at the moment. And I was working with one uh, gentleman, Tawana, from Zimbabwe, and he, him and I went down into the forest, into the woods, and actually to share a story with each other. He shared his story, I shared my story. And they could have been, his story could have come from the side of Loch and my story could have come from his lake that he was talking about. And, and it, it's, it's, I just think there's such a connection. That's why I want to tell a different story. That's fine. Yeah. Because it's almost a creation story as well. There we go. Yeah. Well, Graham, you might as well just crack on. I think. No, I'm going to have to go and get the bags. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Graham's found his book. Yeah. Storyteller unprepared without his book. Yeah. Shame on him, yeah. might I add. But yeah. no, he has found his book now. And um, yeah. I think, I think just, just to follow on from what was said before, actually, the fact that you know we, we tell these stories now from, from books and through the written word, because that's the way we work, in some ways, um, actually writing these things down probably actually takes a little bit away from them. Yes. Um, and then yeah. actually Absolutely. Absolutely. Where, where you were, you would you would tell the story in a different mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, so I'll stop going on. Um, Graham, I'll leave it with you. Yeah, so I, 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 my problem as a storyteller in an Iron Age museum is that, of course, nothing was written down. Um, so you really have to, you can either write stories about what you think might have happened or you can share stories that have come from, that have been passed down. Now, this, this story is, it's almost a creation story. Well, it is a creation story, but it's a bit more as well. It's, it's, it's a very seasonal story as well. It's about, it's about the seasons. And it's, this, this is a character who is very much um, Celtic. So it's a Scottish and Irish, this, this story is sort of woven from Scottish and Irish folklore. Um, but it's about someone who is very important. And not a lot of people know about her. So this is the story of Bridget and the Kayak. The Kayak, I will just explain, is a Gaelic word. And it's uh, the Gaelic word for old women. Um, there's other meanings as well which you will hear just at the beginning of this story so long long ago with the kayak the old one the cold one the old woman of winter her face was blue her teeth were tusks her hair was white as frost in those long ago days the kayak tramped the lands with her staff in her hand and her creel her basket on her back full of stones and rocks. She dropped down the rocks and they went tumbling to earth, crashing and splashing into the land and into the sea. That is how she made the hills and the mountains, the highlands and the islands. The kayak had lived for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
for she knew where to find the water of life. This was to be found in the well of youth. Whenever she grew weary, she would tuck up her skirt and wade into the ocean. The sea was nothing to her, it only came up to her knees. She would go to the island of the west, the island of the blessed. There stood the well of youth. In the morning, at sunrise, the kayak lifted off the great stone slab which covered the well. She cupped her hands and drank the cold, clear water and was revived. The lid of the well had to be replaced before nightfall to preserve the precious waters. So at sunset, the kayak laid the stone slab back over the well. After the mountains were made, the kayak took her plaid, her great shawl, to the swirling whirlpool of Corrybrecon. She threw in her shawl and tramped it with her feet until the booming of the waves could be heard for miles around. And when her shawl was washed, she laid it on the mountains to dry and the land was covered with snow. The old women of winter roamed her white world with her staff of blackthorn in her hand. Wherever her staff stuck the ground, the earth was frozen cold and hard as iron. She went wandering through her mountains, followed by herds of red deer, for she was the guardian of the wild beasts, the horned herds of goats, the wolves and the eagles. She could even take the form of a wild bird herself, a great grey heron. For a long time the world was gripped by winter. But in the belly of the earth, something tiny was glowing. Something tiny was growing. The spirit of spring was quickening. And on the surface of the earth, in sheltered spots, green grew. One day the sun came out and a flower opened, but still the kayak tramped the land. Her ice breath dashed the flimsy petals and her black staff snapped the tender stem. The kayak laughed and her laugh was a bitter stinging wind. Then she put her fingers to her lips and she whistled. She whistled up the winds, her wild winter wolf winds. From high on the mountaintops they came, from far in the northlands they came. The feedag, the gobag, the skewbag, the gearin, the shrill wind, the sharp wind, the sweeper, the shrieker. Yowling and howling they came over the forest, over the sea, whipping up waves, lashing down trees. Branches were torn from the trunks, rivers rose in flood, the kayak laughed out loud. She kicked up her skirts and hurled down her hail. She danced in the storm like a child in the rain. But when at last the winds died down and the hail melted, <clears throat> the kayak sighed. She rubbed her back, her bones ached, her knees creaked, she was exhausted. She sat staring out to sea and she sang to herself a sad, sorrowful song. Oh, I am weary and old, all alone in the dark and the cold, when the cold winds blow, when the cold winds blow. Once again, the kayak hitched up her skirt and waded through the cold ocean to the well of youth. She lifted the great stone slab and drank a little. Then the kayak saw a soft, mossy spot and she sat down there just to take the weight off her feet for a moment. The kayak closed her eyes just for a little rest. But before the kayak awoke, before 
<coughs> she had a chance to replace the capstone, the sunset and the moon rose. And as the moon rose, with it rose the waters of the well, higher and higher, until the waters touched the whip of the well, and still the kayak slept, and still the waters rose, tipping over the whip of the well, slipping and spilling over the edge. Swelling and swirling, urging and surging, rising and roaring, a great wave of water curled and crashed over the sleeping kayak. As the waters washed over her plaid, her cloak, it began to melt and to trickle away into the earth. As the waters washed over her hands, her grip loosened and her staff of blackthorn rolled out of her fingers and away down the hill where it was beneath a holly bush. As the waters of life washed over the great shape of the sleeping kayak, she herself was turned into a great grey stone. For that is what happens to old kayaks at the end of their days. The full moon shone on that cold old boulder of stone. Well water fell like the first spring rain, the moon set and all was still. There was an opening in the hill and as the sun rose the opening was lit with light like a flame blazing. And as the sun rose higher bathing the land in light a new goddess emerged. Her dress was white, her cloak was green, her hair was red as fire. The goddess Bridget came to power Bridget the Bright, Bridget the White, Bridget the Bringer of Spring. Now, some say that the kayak still sleeps her stone-cold sleep and that Bridget stays only until summer's end and then again the kayak will awake. But some believe that Bridget is the kayak herself, transformed like a great grey glacier that changes into a bright bubbling spring. The goddess Bridget had the power of fire within her, the spark of poetry tingled on her tongue. As she walked, she sang, and her song was soft as a spring breeze and bright as birdsong. The heat of healing and the warmth of crafting were in her hands. She knelt and dipped her finger in the frozen river, and though it was cold, it began to flow. She reached out and picked up the staff of blackthorn from beneath the holly tree. And as she held it in her hand, it began to swell and sprout, and the black wood turned, in, turned white with blossom. Bridget looked out over the bare brown earth, and she took off her cloak, her mantle of green. Lovingly, she laid it over the land. And Bridget, Bridget the Bright, Bridget the White, walked out into her green world like a dancing flame. She moved over the land, and everywhere she walked, the snowdrops flowered in her footsteps. A gentle breeze whispered, spring is coming. A brook murmured, spring is coming. A bird sang, spring is coming. And so it was, and so it is. Lovely. I think that could probably come from anywhere, that story. It just happens to come from Scotland. And Bridget, if you just clarify, is, is I mean, there's lots of Bridgets in kind of the, the early mythologies and deities of Britain. Mm. Um, so, so in this case, this is, this is 
the goddess or, or she's a goddess she's a saint she's also in Ireland she's a saint she's Saint Bridget in fact the first of February is known in Ireland as Saint Bridget's Day because it's, it's, it's symbolically the first but it's Imok in in in, in, um, in the Celtic calendar which is the first day of spring but because we're in Scotland of course the first day of first of February is nowhere near the first day of spring but Bridget is known as is, was a saint in Ireland she's a goddess in Scotland first of February was two foot of snow I think yes I probably right. yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes well thank you very much as I'm, I'm, I'm loath to ask this question have anybody got any other stories to tell or do you want to save them for a later day Let's save them for a later save day. Them. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening. Uh, that's our second episode here uh, on the Cranor Cast, and um, I just really want to also say a big thank you to Erin uh, for the time that she spent with us. She's done a lot of a lot of good in helping us to understand uh, Indigenous beliefs and culture. Um, which I think has actually helped us to better understand the Iron Age and talk about you know beliefs in, in a in a more more relevant way. Um, we've got a lot more recording going on this week, and hopefully we'll be able to get another podcast out um, by the end of the week. Um, we're having a visit from a gentleman called Hayab, and he is um, coming from Glasgow via Eritrea, and he's got a fantastic story to tell, um, and has made a fantastic donation to the museum. Um, You'll find out about that next time. Uh, But thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you all soon.